I'm really excited about what I have to share with you today. I'm calling it Christianity 101. Now, the thing about Christianity 101, if you were taking a college class, that would be like kind of an old, dry history lesson that you would get. But that's really not what Christianity 101 is. In fact, Christianity 101 is more like math class in a sense. Now, don't get scared if you don't like math, okay? But you're going to be applying things from the very beginning because that's what it's all about. There's some equations that God wants us to put into our lives that bring about life change. So I want to talk about how life change happens. And God's going to speak to us really powerfully in this service. Last night, God just was moving. And you could feel God in, in the place. And there was just miracles that, that happened right in the moment. One guy Facebook messaged me last night. He said, my marriage was transformed in the middle of the service last night because I was the guy that you were talking about. I went home, got on my knees, begged my wife's forgiveness in front of my daughter, and nothing's going to be the same. He's going to get into counseling. He's going to start seeing life change. We saw a lot of that last night. I believe he's going to do that again this morning. So pull out your sermon notes, and let's expect God to grab hold of us because there's some things in your life that you want to change. You know, where do these defects come from in our lives? Let's talk a little bit about that first and then we'll really dig in to how Christianity changes that, how Christianity affects that. I think there are three C's that we need to understand. First, the first C is chromosomes. Chromosomes, write that down somewhere. There's a blank, I think. You got 23 chromosomes from your dad, 23 chromosomes from your mom. That makes up the physical you. And some of you, you've always wondered, why did God give me that guy for my old man? Because he just, you know, wasn't that great. Well, he wanted you. And it took 23 chromosomes from that guy to get you. So he wanted you uniquely you. And there's some predispositions that come to us from genetics. You know, maybe you're Irish and, and, and you inherited red hair and a temper, right? But that doesn't mean you got to go out and murder someone, does it? That's a predisposition that you might have. Alcoholism, for example, runs in my family from my mama's side. That's why I won't go out drinking with you. You know, the Bible doesn't say that having a glass of wine is a sin or a beer is a sin. It doesn't say that. But for me, it would just be stupid because alcoholism is a genetic predisposition in my family. Low serotonin runs in my family from my dad's side. So, you know, the Shook family is prone to depression, maybe a little bit of OCD, I remember when I was on the, the mission field and I'd come back to speak at, at a Second Baptist Church here in town and a and, um, big line of people came up afterwards to talk to me. One guy said, man, I've just felt like God wants me to be a missionary, but I, I suffer from depression. And I said, me too, join the club, dude. And I said, but they offer Prozac over the counter in Mexico. It's awesome. <laughs> and, 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 you know, there's these organic things that we deal with that we need to take care of. And, and God has given us some different ways to do that. I, I always think it's interesting I, when someone kind of spiritualizes 
the, the physical, the organic side of things, you know? I was talking to someone not too long ago, and they said, man, I was battling. I had a headache, and, and so I began to battle in the spiritual realm. Eight hours I battled, and then the headache went away. And I was like, I had a headache too, and I took two aspirin in 10 minutes. It was gone, you know? Now, don't get me wrong. I know that there's spiritual warfare going on all the time. I feel it being kind of the point of what's going on. You know, you know the, we've got this like wedge of the spear moving into the darkness, and that's all of us. And some of you sometimes feel it too. We, we get that. We understand that. But let's don't just spiritualize everything that happens to us all the time. Some of the stuff comes from our chromosomes, and we have to understand that. Maybe you got a strong will from your dad. That doesn't mean you have to be stubborn as a mule, go through five marriages, right? That doesn't mean that. Maybe you inherited kind of a laid-back personality from your mom. That doesn't mean that you have to be lazy and just sit on the couch. That's a predisposition that you might have. So, you know, if you've got that laid-back personality, you can enjoy life and, and be an encouragement to everyone around you and, and, and grab life still and live it out. If you've got that strong will, maybe it's going to enable you to persevere and make it through things that others wouldn't so we've got chromosomes another C circumstances circumstances chromosomes is nature circumstances is nurture scientists have argued for many years about how we get our personalities is it nature or nurture well it's both what's interesting is that circumstances are what causes our learned responses but a lot of us We've developed these little habits and we begin to think that they are our nature, our chromosomes, when really they're just things that we developed in response to circumstances. And uh, sometimes when we're trying to get our needs met or we have unmet needs, maybe growing up, for example, you longed for unconditional love, but your parents always had you on this performance-based acceptance kind of treadmill. Maybe today you settle for just cheap casual sex because you feel close to someone for a moment it doesn't last that can be a trained a learned response or maybe you're always trying to get respect from your dad and, and he never would give that to you so today you settle for material possessions and you try to build them up so that people around you surely they're going to respect me or even dad maybe he's long gone and dead but you're still trying to earn that respect. Those are learned responses. It's who you learned to be. And then the last C is a really important C. God says he makes us in his own image and that gives us the power of choice. So choices. Choices is the third C. My choices. Really you could put habits there because our choices lead to habits. If we make a choice over and over, our brains Neuroscientists tell us begin to rewire. Even as an adult, our brains are still malleable, plastic. And, and they rewire around that choice. And pretty soon we've got a roadway going that way. God made us that way. In fact, he knew we really couldn't live without habit. Habits are good things. They don't all happen to be good things, depending on you know, the habit, what it is. But it's a good thing that we have the gift of habit. Do you remember which shoe you put on first this morning when you got up, got ready to come to church? How many of you put on your right shoe first? 
How many put on your left shoe first? How many have no idea what shoe you put on first? How many are barefoot? You know, it's just like you forgot to put your shoes on. Aren't you glad that we have the gift of habit? Aren't you glad you don't have to Google how to brush your teeth every day? Think about that. A tube, a brush, you know, try to figure all that out. No, it just becomes habit. Remember when you were learning to drive? How excruciating that was. If you're learning to drive, teenagers, you don't want to go with me. I actually accidentally slapped my son in the head when he was learning to drive. I mean, he was, it, it, it was needed, you know, but <laughs> he was kind of veering toward the curve, and I was just, it scared me, and I just went, watch out, smack, you know. And now he kind of drives with a flinch, but <laughs> actually, my, my youngest, she said, when she was getting ready to learn to drive, she goes, I'm going with mom. I saw you hit David in the head. <laughs> but it was like, I mean, excruciating trying to learn how, I mean, trying to remember all that stuff. Now what do you do? Your lady's putting on mascara. You're doing five different things while you're driving. Have you ever just kind of been in a zone coming home from work and you just, all of a sudden you're in your driveway and how did I get here? Right? Or you ended up in someone else's driveway. How did I get here? No, that's a whole other issue. But we got this gift of habit that God gives us, and it's really a, a cool thing. And habit can work for good or for bad. Jay Adams, uh, uh, a really one of the guys that I have really followed in, in, in learning how to counsel and things. He's a psychiatrist who, he says that it takes six weeks to develop a new habit. Six weeks. You have to practice it constantly for six weeks to get that rewiring process going. Why is it so hard? Well, because we've had them so long. Some of you think it, it, it's just a part of you. And Christianity, I see it all the time. We're expecting like we're going to come into this relationship with Christ and it's going to be like a lightning bolt come down and hit us and all of a sudden we act like Billy Graham. You know, and, and that'd be probably awesome if that happened, but that's not usually how it works. We've got all these habits that we've built up and God... We're going to find out in a minute he makes us a new creation in the moment we step in to salvation. But then we begin to learn how to walk in that. And we have to redo some things, rework some things, rewire some things. And it's a process that begins to happen. We've got these habits and they're so ingrained that we think they're part of us. Fill in the blank here. Not out loud, but just in your mind. It's just like me to be a workaholic overweight, an alcoholic, short-tempered, all of these things are learned responses. You say, no, I'm just big boned. That's what it is. My, you know, my, my metabolism is, is too slow. And all that can be true. I, I, I agree with that. As you get older, it's amazing how your metabolism just goes, you know, slows down so much, but still it's because we overeat. I choose to eat, we need to tell ourselves the truth, and we'll see that in a moment. I choose to eat more than I need. And so we see that. One, I, I was talking to a guy one time, and this is what the guy last night was talking about. I, I was counseling him and his wife, and, and he said, I'm just an angry person. And his wife was bawling in the counseling session, and he said, I come, I, I just, I'll scream at my wife, I'll scream at the kids. He said, I kicked the dog so hard the other night that I actually injured it a little bit. And, and he said, but I can't help it. It's impossible for me to help that. That's just 
who I am. And I just looked at him for a minute and I said, how many jobs have you had? And he goes, we're not talking about work. I'm talking about I scream at my wife. I scream at my kids. I said, yeah, but I know you can't help it. How does your boss respond to that? And he said, well, I would never scream at my boss. And all of a sudden it hit him. He was choosing. He was choosing who he was going to scream at. He was choosing when he was going to scream. He w- it was a choice that he was consciously making. And in that moment, everything changed for that guy. I'll never forget it. It was like this amazing life change moment for him. Because he thought he couldn't help it. And in that moment, he saw, no, this is a choice that I'm making. And it's time to choose differently. That's what counseling is about. That's what coaching is. That's why God created church. Iron sharpens iron. We call each other out on our stuff, you know. Now, I'm not talking about judging. Don't be looking around and going, they got some stuff. And they got, you got some stuff too, right? And that's what I love about community of faith. It's so accepting. We come from all these different places. And we just love on each other. And we're all in a different place in our journey. And we just love on each, each other as we're going through this. But it is a place where we're to encourage one another. Give courage to one another and sometimes that means calling each other out on what's going on as we get to know each other you know don't you appreciate the person that tells you at a party that you have broccoli in your teeth maybe you don't but I always do because I'd rather do that than get home and look and smile and there's this big piece of broccoli I did that the whole night you know you have actually let me get up here with a little clinger on the end of my nose and nobody has said anything that's not friendship you know, I'm, I'm speaking and everybody's going. And, and I'm going like, man, they're just looking at the screen. They're like into this. God is moving. And no, it's like it's 10 feet tall on that giant screen. <laughs> Don't do that. Tell me. Tell me what's going on, okay? And, and, and that's what church is about. I, I need to admit to myself the truth. And sometimes you have to call me out every once in a while on the truth it's kind of like learning to walk how did you learn to walk painful they call it toddler right because you're toddling is that a word toddling I don't know but you take a few steps and you fall on your diaper right and hopefully nothing's in the diaper but it's not fun and then you get up but you learn you begin you take one step in front of the other listen to what the bible says in Colossians 2 6 it says therefore as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him it also says in 1st Timothy 4 7 discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness you you developed a habit you rewired your brain you're, what we're gonna find out in a moment you're already a new creation and now you're lining up your physical brain with who you've become and that's what it's all about we activate life change by our chooser we activate life change by our chooser we activate this freedom that God has for us and we change our brains with our will in fact Jesus said this listen to this if anyone chooses to do God's will he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own 
If anyone chooses to do my will, he will find out if this is real or not. See, Christianity is a little bit different. A lot of things you can figure out from the outside. Christianity is not that way. I've got some friends here, and they're, they come all the time, and I love it. They're agnostics, and they come to our church because they're just exploring. You know, the, there's this feeling that, that, that God spun the world into play, and then he kind of stepped back, and we're on our own now. And These are some of the most brilliant people you're ever going to meet, and they can argue. And, but you know what I've understood over time as I've gotten to know several really good friends this way? agnosticism is more about a feeling than it is about intellect even though we want to think it's about intellect it's more about a feeling it feels like God is a million miles away and what I found in American religion is we've made it all about feeling and when you begin to see what God really says about Christianity feeling is kind of like the caboose of the train it comes along eventually so to all of you who are searching this morning, this is a safe place to be, and this is where you should be, but I want to tell you something, you'll never be able to quite get it from out there, you have to step in, if anyone chooses, it didn't say feels it, chooses to step into this, you're going to know if it's true or not, could it be as simple as saying, God, if you're really real, and, and what Mark is saying is right, I, I want to step into this right now. I, I mean, will you take me just with something that feeble? Yeah, you will. And you can begin to see what he has in mind and what he wants to do. Changing our choices changes our habits and changes our lives. Listen to this verse. Don't, meet, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Well, Mark, that pretty much much sums up my life, weeds. All right, well, let's get the weed whacker out today and get going. Are you ready? Let's talk about what God wants to do. Christianity 101. And here's really what it is. Let me give you a life change equation. Write this down. Fill in these blanks. Discover plus believe plus act equals life change. Parentheses, feelings, follow. Let me say it again. Discover plus believe, plus act, equals life change, feelings follow. Let's look at that for a minute. Number one, discover the truth. Discover the truth. Let's apply it to marriage. Let's apply it to love, okay? In the Bible, the Bible teaches us, contrary to what Hollywood would have you believe, contrary to what we would believe in America today about love. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action that we do. In fact, Paul defines love in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not seek its own way. Love always looks out for the interests of others. 
Love never gives up. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You see, this love is some action items that happen. Love is patient. It acts patiently. Love acts in kindness. Love doesn't seek its own way. That's what love is. Do you see anywhere in there that says love feels so, oh, mushy and gooey and ecstatic and, oh, I'm in love. So in love, we fall in love, right? Can't help it, tripped, fell. No, it's an action that you do. You say, well, I don't even really like her anymore. That's okay, you can still love her by doing these actions. And that's what God is trying to show us. You say, well, I don't think, I don't know if I have that in me. The Bible says in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love. You have the Spirit inside of you when you came into this relationship with Christ. And he loves. He, he is love. That's what he does. And you're going to love if you allow him to do that. Now, secondly, believe the truth. So, first, we have to discover it. So, you didn't even know it was an action. You thought it was a gushy feeling that you had lost and were singing... I've lost that loving feeling, you know. No, it's not a feeling. It's an action that you do. So we believe the truth. That brings us to faith. It's not enough to know it. You have to choose to believe it. Now, in the Greek world, the Bible is written in Greek. Believe is not like this intellectual thing that we do or, or kind of a, a feeling. In, in the U.S., it's a feeling and an intellect thing in the Greek world, it was an action. Let me give you a real quick example. I want you to look, just imagine this little chair, this little stool, okay? I'm going to give you an, an illustration. I'm going to call it the chair sample. I would have called it the stool sample, but that didn't sound right. So, <laughs> here's the deal. Little chair, all right? I can look at this in the U.S. version and go, I believe this chair will hold me up. And that's good enough. That's what it means. But that's not, in, in the Bible world, that's not what it means. In the Bible world, you say, I believe this chair will hold me up. You put all your weight on it, and then that means you believe in it. That's why it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. It didn't say believe in. It said believe on. Do you see? There's a difference in, in what we're talking about here. And then we act on the truth. Write that down. So we have to put all our weight on it. That's what I'm talking about, agnostic friends. You know, you have to sit down and go, okay, I don't know, but I'm going to put all my weight on this. It's pretty scary, right? Then we act on it. The Bible calls this work. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I didn't understand that verse for a really long time. Because I know you can't work for your salvation. It's a free gift. James says it this way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. It's important that we act on the truths. So we have to work out our salvation. Now, let me just explain how Christianity works, okay? You can't work for, some people say, I'm going to try to be a good person. I'm going to hope my, I'm going to try to help my fellow man. I'm going to try to get my good to outweigh my bad. That's what a lot of American Christianity is about. That's not Christianity. 
That's just Americanism. I don't know what it is, you know, but it's, that's not what it is. What Christianity is, it's saying, I can never do this. But Jesus, when you died on the cross for me, this is the whole point of the cross. I don't understand it, but you opened up a way for me to become a whole new creation. You see, the purposes of God can never be thwarted. He's God. And even when our very first forefather fell on his face and sinned, God was still, knew what he was doing. He was still moving. And his ultimate goal was to create a whole new creation, his church, his sons and daughters, his called out ones, the ecclesia, that's church in the Greek. And he's saying, I want to make you a whole new creation. And you say, God, I step into what you did on the cross, and something inside of you comes alive, and you become a whole new creation. There's a verse that says, anyone in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. Everything is new. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. You might want to look that up later. 2 Corinthians 5.17. When it says new creation, the words in Greek there are kainos ketesis. Ketesis just means creation, but kainos is really interesting. It means new, but not like a new, you know, like a new, like shiny new. It means like unprecedented, a new kind never seen before. It literally means unheard of, novel, the first of its kind, new. And that's what you, you became an unheard of creation. I've, no, nothing in all of the spiritual realm had ever seen anything like you when you stepped into this. This is God's work, and that's what he's doing among us. And he makes you this whole new creation. So what you want to do is you begin to act out of what he made you to be, and that's, that's the works. See, you received it as a free gift, but now you line up your brain with who you really are. That's why you have love. And you also have his Holy Spirit, and his Spirit is love. And so you act in love, and love is kind. You haven't been kind to that woman that you're married to in a long time. You're a hypocrite. You say, no, I would be a hypocrite if I acted like I even liked her. I don't even like her. Then I'd be a hypocrite. No, that's a lie. The real you, the new you, if you stepped into this journey with Christ, is love. And you need to line up with that. It's not about a feeling. Did I say you're going to feel love for her? I didn't say that. I know. You hate her. I know. I get it. That's not the point. The point is, are you going to line up with who God made you to be? Are you going to act kind? Are you going to act patient? Are you going to live denying your way and trying to seek her best doesn't seek its own way that's what the bible says about love you see it makes a difference in how you live that, that's one of the reasons why baptism is so important I, there, there's a verse in the bible that i didn't understand for a long time about baptism and it says this it's peter talking and peter's usually so easy to understand but in this one i couldn't get it and probably some of my background in church but what it says is it says that Noah and his family went physically into the ark and they were saved from the flood. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. 
not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God. 1 Peter 3.21. And so I was looking at that and I'm going like, no, I know baptism doesn't save you. I've always learned it's like the wedding ring, you know. You come into this relationship with Christ and you put on the wedding ring of baptism to show everybody that, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm walking with Christ. And that's true. But here, all of a sudden I realize it's so much deeper than that because for many of us, baptism is the moment when we actually act to step in to what we say. Let's say you're here today and you're an agnostic and, and you've been far from God. And, and you say, I don't know if everything that Mark is saying is true, but, but I, what do I do? I don't, I, I don't know, but I want to I step in. I want to see. I want to know. Then you say, I'm going to be baptized and I'm going to trust as an act of baptism that I'm moving in to what God is doing. And in that moment, it says, you are saved. Now, not the washing of water. It's not when we take you underwater and wash you with water. It's the response to God. Some of you, you were baptized as infants, but you've never been baptized as an adult. You've never stepped in. You say, because it doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, is that what God said? Now, everything I'm going to say is going to make total sense to you. So you only, or did he just say, go get baptized? He said, as soon as you step into this relationship with me, or in the moment that you are doing that, be baptized. And we're ready to baptize you today. You didn't come here ready to be baptized, but you're going to leave dripping wet. We've got clothes out there for you, and you can step out in just a moment and go be baptized. Okay, so I need to think about that. You're trying to talk yourself out of it, right? Do you want to follow God or not? And that's one of the things, as your friend, as the pastor that loves you, it's not being baptized. I don't know if I want to join this church. We don't know if we want you either. It's not about that. I didn't say be baptized into the church. I said be baptized into Christ. You're not joining the church. We have a, an orientation and membership stuff for that, okay, that comes along at, at different times. Be baptized. Now, I don't know. I don't really feel it. Did I say you're going to feel it? Did God say, when you feel really like getting really, really baptized, get baptized? No, he didn't say that. I, sometimes, some of you get baptized and you feel a lot. Others of you are like, I just went underwater, came up, I don't know. It's not the point. I, I, not long ago, I was baptized and we had a big day and I had baptized like 100 and I was getting kind of tired and I didn't realize I had moved further back. This elderly man came in and I said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I took him under and I slammed his head on the stairs, the concrete stairs of the baptistry. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I pulled him up and he went, oh wow. <laughs> and I was just getting ready to apologize. He goes, I felt something. <laughs> he goes, it's like there was this explosion of light. I never expected it, but it was like, pow, explosion of light. And I just looked at him and I said, brother, God works in mysterious ways. Go in peace. Never told him. He felt something. I'm not saying you will. We can arrange it. But what I'm saying is, God says, obey. Just obey. Just step into me. Okay? Do what I've asked you to do. Act on it you can do that today and then three feelings will follow eventually 
feelings will follow eventually. I begin to love that man by being kind, by seeking not my own way, not being selfish, by being patient. And eventually, it might take a while, you've got some really bad habits there. You, you've worked some serious misunderstandings. You, you've got some deep resentments. But you're a new creation and you can begin to walk in this. And eventually, I've seen it at least a thousand times. Probably two thousand times here at Community of Faith. Love will always work. Feelings will eventually follow. Every time. Some of you are just waiting for the feeling to hit. The only thing that's going to hit you is divorce papers, my friend. I want you to, to write this down. I must act, choose moment by moment my way into a new way of feeling versus feeling my way into a new way of acting. I must act my way into a new way of feeling versus feeling my way into a new way of acting. I want you to close your eyes with me after you write that down. Some of you, you're here today and you feel like God's a million miles away. He's not. He's right here. But it's okay if you feel that. That's all right. But he's not. He's right here. I want you to step into it. Maybe you need to go be baptized. In a moment, the band is getting ready to come. They're going to sing a last song over us. And I want you to step out and go on out there and start getting ready. We've got clothes for you. A change of clothes. We've got people already waiting in the baptismal pool for you. I want you to go out there and be baptized. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come here across the front right now. Come across the front. Some of you need to just come up and pray. You've got some things going on. Maybe some addiction. Maybe, maybe it is your marriage. Maybe it's a relationship like that. And I'm going to ask you to come and pray with them. And just believe. Some of you, you just might need to say, I don't feel anything. But I want to do what Mark's talking about. Because feelings are the caboose. They will follow. They will follow. I love when the feelings are here. And I love when we can sing and you feel the tears flow down. And that's a nice thing. But that's not necessary. That's just a free gift from God too. I want you to be obedient. Maybe a son or daughter that's far from God and you think it's impossible there's no way they can come back to God can I tell you circumstances are irrelevant if you're all-powerful irrelevant or maybe it's a financial or job situation circumstances are irrelevant to God he's doing something do you trust his heart it feels like he hates me he loves you he wants you to be a new creation Look back up at me for just a minute. I'm going to ask you to act today. Some of you need to walk out and be baptized. Now let me tell you something. When the band begins to sing and you want to get away early today, don't walk out there. They're going to baptize you. Okay? They'll grab you and you're gone. Come up here and pray. You can pray in your seat. But I want you to act. I'm going to ask the band to sing A Miracle Can Happen Here. Let's stand together. You can join them. Let God do his miracle in and through you right now. Experience it. Go get baptized. Come up and pray. Watch God in action.